0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Welcome to... Shalom and welcome to practical spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem at Aisha Torah, overlooking the Temple Mount. Today we're going to talk about why bad things happen to good people. So we're going to start with a little story of a great Rebbe who lived in a, a town in Europe and this particular Rebbe was amazing at, like, at nullifying decrees. So whenever there was a decree against the Jews in that region, that Rebbe, they would go to the Rebbe, they would say, there's a decree, and he would start his prayers, and he would go into his meditations and do all his Kabbalistic things and wind his way up to heaven and get to the throne of glory and then nullify the decree. And so it was really good to live in his era because people just didn't get away. The people <laughs> the, the, the p- in power didn't get away with much with their decrees when, when that Rebbe was alive. And did I make a bracha? I don't think I made a bracha. Okay, you guys ready? Just kidding. Oh, I I I recently was in Washington Forest in uh in I asked the guys sharing the cabin, I said, Hey, would you guys answer my braha? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Baruch. was like a minute long. When I opened my eyes before I said atah, I they were all gone. <laughs> so They're like, how long do you want us to stand around? Okay. Now, the, um, but everyone should do one bracha like that a day. One bracha a day. Just like that. Okay, one bracha a day. Inhale. Exhale. The whole word. And a few minutes for a bracha. One bracha a day. Now, the, um, anyway, what happened was the Rebbe was about to pass away, and the, oh, everyone was scared to death, so they go to the Rebbe's deathbed, and they're like, what are, what's going to happen to us? You know, we, you, you nullify all decrees, and, and if you go, there's no one left. And the Rebbe looks at them, and he says, a tzaddik, that means a holy man, is much more powerful in his death than in his life. And he passes away. And within a year, there was a decree against the Jews, and all the Jews are like, oh, it's going to be great. Except, guess what? The decree actually was fulfilled, and the Jews, like, ate it bad. Like, they really got hurt bad. And they didn't know what to do. Another decree, same thing. Another decree, same thing. They finally went to the next best Rebbe of the generation. And they went to him, and they said, listen, we we need you to nullify the decrees. And he says, listen, I'm not on that level, but I am on the level to go have a talk with him. So I'll go have a talk with him, which is a Kabbalistic thing. You got to know names of God and how to do the mikvah appropriately. Like there's all these things you have to know about mikvah to do this. And then you come out and you use the names of God. And, and then you, I think you write the question, you put it under the pillow, you go to sleep. It's called a dream quest. And it's a highly Kabbalistic thing, that dream quest. So he does the dream quest and he gets up to the Rebbe and he says to the Rebbe, what's the deal? You know, you told the community that you'd be more powerful in your death than in your life. And the Rebbe says, well, now that I'm up here, now I understand what's really going on. And so I realized that those decrees aren't bad. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I think it's going to be a subject of our, of our perspective. It's a big subject of our perspective. How many times have we had bad things happen to us only to realize later that it, now I understand why I went through that? All the time. It's happening all the time. In fact, uh, I'll even ask y'all to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you ever had something bad happen to you and you found out years later why. Like you finally understood why, or maybe you understood how it built you, it created greater character in you. Like raise your hand if you ever went through something. That you, at the time you wish, keep your hands up, at the time you wished, and yeah, we can flip it just for fun, keep your hands up, at the time you wished that it would have gone away, in fact, you might, keep your hands up, what's going on, it is yoga, guys, keep your hands up, <laughs> hands up, uh-oh, these girls are, like, turning red, I guess you are supposed to be somewhere else, sorry, they're ditching some seminar, anyway, okay, no one's, it's, no one's watching this, you know, except for everybody, and, and the... <laughs> Anyway, keep your hands up if keep your hands up if you wouldn't trade what you went through. But meaning if you traded what you went through, you'd have to also trade what you got. Keep your hands up if you wouldn't do that. Meaning, meaning I'm not willing to trade what I got. Okay, you see the same hands are up. Okay, you can put your hands down so as usual everyone's hands are up which is really something amazing because think about it I'm going to ask you to raise your hand I'm not going to put the camera on you this time I apologize in advance um, I mean after the fact the, um, sometimes it's better ask forgiveness and permission sometimes one example like that is jacuzzis <coughs> stumbling upon a hot tub Better to ask forgiveness than permission. And you know, I, I've noticed ever since I'm Hasidic, I've stopped poaching hot tubs. Just because it just looks terrible. You know, they come home from their like the movie or whatever, and, and there you are in their hot tubs, stark naked. You know, and they're like, who the hell are you? And, and you? You know, which was fine in the hippie days where like we're a bunch of hippies mountain biking and, you know, or surfing and, we just poach your hot tub and, you know, no harm, no foul. We'll leave if you want, you know. And but ever since I've been Hasidic, it's like it just it just is too awkward. They're, they're like, uh, there's a rabbi in our hot tub. <laughs> Start naked. You know? What are we supposed to do? You know? I mean, that should be on, that should be on, like, uh, that should be a hack on YouTube of, like, how to fix this situation, you know. <laughs> how do you fix that one? I fix everything. I fix everything with YouTube, by the way. We we're, were just dealing with a flat tire the other day, and the, and the tire seized. We took off all the lug nuts, you know. Jew, you know how many Jews it takes to fix a flat tire, by the way? It takes about five to go like this until a Gentile pulls up and changes the tire, yeah, which is basically how it works. And there's a famous folklore that someone once changed Trump's tire like 40 years ago. And the guy like paid off his mortgage, you know, and the guy was wearing a kippa on his head and really freaked out Trump. And another folklore story, but I heard this one's actually true, is that a guy was uh, a guy was wearing a kippa, didn't know how to change his tire. And someone pulled up and like fixed his tire for him. And he said to him, you know, good Shabbos, it was a Friday, good Shabbos. I looked at him like, what's that? He forgot he was wearing a kippa. What's that? He says, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, you know, Shabbat, you know, Judaism. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you're not Jewish? He's like, no. And what are you wearing a kifa for? And My mother gave this to me. She said, every time I'm in trouble, put this on. Anyway, um, <laughs> we've, all been, we've all been through some rough times, but here's the funny thing, or not the funny thing, is that you're going through a rough time right now. Meaning not all of you, but nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Raise your hand, we'll see it again. I'm not going to put the camera. Raise your hand if you're going through something that you wish you were on the other side of. You know, like let's say, for example, the kid's, the kid's principal called and like, you need to deal with the kid. He's okay. It's just that there's something you got to deal with. And you just don't want to be on this side of that. You want to be on the other side of that. You know what I mean? Like, raise your hand if anything in your life right now you'd like to be on the other side of. Raise your hand. Okay? So you see, all of us are there. And keep your hand up if, you, if you're like, you even do stuff about it. Like, you're actually trying to do stuff about it. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you're hiring lawyers. You know, just oh, kidding. No just kidding. No <laughs> no <lawyer. laughs> but we will go to a shrink. We'll go to a shrink, you know, just to deal with it. I mean, that's just extra money for dealing with stuff. You know, you've got to talk it out with somebody. It's a paid friend, you know. No, I think therapists have got two major jobs. One is obviously people with, with mental illness. And the other is you pay the, you've got to pay to download that level of stuff. You know, you can't just dump that on anybody. You know, you've got to pay for that. You know, that's why it costs so much. I mean, who wants to hear that stuff? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you choose some random person They'll hear it for free But, like, to get someone who's really gonna sit there all day And hear that kind of stuff That's gonna cost a few hundred bucks an hour No wonder they lowered their time to 50 minutes in the last 10 years Now it's 50 minutes You know, 50 minutes Because they're like They don't want to, like, hurl themselves off the building afterwards You know, after, like, five of these sessions You know, it's like, it's like Maybe we bring it down to 50... Fifty minutes will be less suicidal after the day. You know, hearing all these miserable stories. Pity the food with that job. Now, you guys have some sense of humor today, my goodness. So, I told you about mountain biking. Yeah, everyone should just go out and buy a mountain bike. By the way, I'm selling my I'm selling my best rig, like literally the fanciest bike, twenty five thousand shekel bike. I'm selling it for like it's supposed to be for eight, <laughs> but I'm getting desperate, so I might sell it as low as seven five or even seven. But that wouldn't be very nice to pay me seven. Is it but autograph? it is the yeah I'll autograph the bike for sure, <laughs> for sure. But I gotta get rid of this bike immediately, immediately because I have to buy something else. So let me know if anyone's an exotic mount. it's just fun to tool around with it, even if you have a little extra money. Like tooling around with a bike like that, because you can just fly off stairs. You can do something wrong, the bike will fix it for you. You know, like you make a bad move, it just somehow auto correct. So, um, yeah. So we're all going through stuff. Nine out of ten people are going through something. Yeah, we're all going through something, and we are, we are. We would love to be on the other side of it. But meanwhile, we're being built. If you were on the other side of it, you wouldn't get built. Because none of us would give up the stuff we went through. If we, if we would have to give up what built inside of us, how we were built by it. None of us would give that up, yet all of us are trying to get out of what we're going through now. What are you, Meshuganet? Are you crazy? If you're going through something right now, go through it. Just go through it. I'm saying, like, don't wallow in it. I mean, if you've got some steps you can take to get out of it, great. But nothing heroic. Just go through it. If you're going through something, it's for a reason. Go through it. Yeah, well, just go through it. It's like just do it, but just go through it. Yeah, because it's nasty. It's nasty to go through stuff. It hurts. It's painful. And that's really, that's really, in a way, if you think about it, that's really our love affair with God. Because I mean, right now we're reading the story. This month is about the story of Megillah, and it was like there were nasty parts of that story. You know, being in the middle of a genocide—that ain't fun. There were tough things going on in there, really tough things. Our prophetess Esther is 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 taken by the king by force, you know, and uh, just added to his harem, and and uh, I mean, uh, just a disaster, a disaster. <laughs> The whole thing's a disaster, the Purim story. Absolute disaster. But we notice through the story that it all turns out good, just like our own lives. We're always going through some kind of disaster. Some disasters are worse than others, obviously. But those are the ones that built you the most. And then you celebrate afterwards because who you became is someone amazing, someone resilient, someone who, like they say, when someone breaks their arm or something, they always say to the doctor, could it break again? And the doctor says, yeah, but not there. (laughs) Because when bones fuse, it's stronger than before. When bones fuse, they're very strong. And so your arm could break, not there. And the same thing with you. You could break again, and you will break again. We all break, but you're not going to break there because there you're strong. And so we're all inside our Purim story. And just like in the Purim story, you don't see the name of God, the only book in the Torah with God's name not in it. And what kind of book in the Torah doesn't have God's name? And yet you look around your life here, it's all with God hidden inside it. You don't see God's name in everything. You don't see it, you just see what's going on around you. And what's going on around you, you often resist because you think it's bad, you think it's negative. You think it was a mistake. I think God didn't have the right address when he sent you that. <laughs> he must. There must be some kind of mistake. And the answer is, just like God precisely keeps you sustained physically right now with incredible precision, and just like God orchestrates everything around you, including your trip to Israel, like, How'd you get here? It was all precise. Pure accuracy of orchestration happened. Even your choice to come here had so much in the background that you would, if you really think about it, you were drawn here. Like all of you think you chose to come to Israel, whether you're supposed to be here for a year, whether you're supposed to be here for a week, a month, whatever your decision was. You think you made a choice? You didn't make a choice. I mean, God did hand you the microphone at the end of like a ton of things that he orchestrated behind the scenes. And then in the end, he handed you the microphone and, and like they were like, will you go? And you were like, yes. And then they take away the microphone and you're like, nothing like free will. <laughs> Which, of course, you know, God's just like, come on, you know, like, like you, you were so set up, it was ridiculous. Like, you know, I'd have bet a billion dollars you were going to say yes after what I did. You know, all that's set up. So, so all of this is being orchestrated, and certainly the tough stuff we're going through, which is how we really get built, that stuff for sure, the bad, the bad stuff, is orchestrated, it's precise. It was sent our way with precision and accuracy. God doesn't make mistakes. He sends everything up the right alleys, so for sure. Sick, why are we diving? So someone's sick, why are we diving? There's various reasons why we daven when someone's sick, but one of them is to be compassionate. Another reason is, is you have to know a little Kabbalah, but the, the way the, Kabbalah, the way things work is there's something called Or Yashar, that's the straight light, that's like God creating the world. Okay. Then there's something called Or Choseh. that's our prayer and our mitzvahs where we return the light. And then there's a third light where the Or Yashar, the straight light, hits the Or Choseh, the returning light, and it, blends and creates a third light that comes down called an or tikkun, rectified light. And so it could be the or said, this dude's going to be sick. And then we pray and we send like please heal him. And then that mixes with the, he's going to be sick. And it's a little bit of a tug of war, but it's more of a pusher war. And it's pretty hard to play tug of war with God, by the way. It doesn't matter how many people you got on your side of the rope, it's God, you know, he's holding it with his pinky. You know. <laughs> And sometimes he's trying to schlep people out of this place. Because think about it, your whole life here, you know how jealous God is of you? God is, you know how jealous God is of you? He's, first of all, look around your life. He's madly in love with you. God's got the biggest crush on you. It's sick. Yeah? God's got this crazy crush on you. And, and you see, he's like just literally like placing the stones before your feet as you walk down the path of life. You know, he's got this crazy crush on you because you'd think he'd be busy. There's a whole universe out there and who knows if there aren't others. You know, maybe there's other universes. Like, and he's busy with you. So he's got this crush on you and he's crazy about you, except what? He spends his whole time jealous because you think about him almost never. And imagine you had a second counter throughout the day. You know, anyone got an iPhone here to like count seconds? Like there's 60 seconds a minute. So how many seconds are there an hour? And we got their phone out? Like, how many seconds are there in an hour? And how many seconds are there in 24 hours? Yeah? Do that that math for us. But imagine you had a counter next to your bed at the end of the day that showed how many seconds of the 24-hour period were dedicated to thinking about the fact that you've got this infinite, all-powerful being who just can't seem to think about anything but you. (laughs) You know, he's like, he's crazy about you. You understand? So, so worry, right, let him do it let him do it you can you can do it okay let's not have a big discussion about this this is not very difficult math here okay okay listen up so you hear the answer the answer is is that is that we do have an impact what meaning everything is set for your portion you all for money things again the the question regarding prayer I don't want to digress too much but the but it's all or or there. Whenever we're praying, it's always that—that that us seeing the situation. Like for example, we see the exile. We see the—you t- look out this window, you know—and you just see, you know, you see the Temple Mount. You see like the destruction. You know, it's like just as the Romans left it, plus a gold dome. Yeah, it's like exactly how the Romans left it. A couple trees, maybe gold dome. I don't know. But the the how can you not pray? How can you not try to tip some scales in the favor of, of our destiny of third temple? You know, how can you not pray for that? You know, that you would have to be calloused to not pray. And we got a commandment also, one of the 613 commandments is to pray, is to pray. When, when you're in a tough spot, you pray. Or someone else in a tough spot, we're commanded to pray. It's, you're fulfilling one of the 613 commandments when you pray. And so it's not just prayer. It's, it's a mitzvah to do so. And it, but it also shows a, a compa- compassion. It shows you have a heart of flesh. You know, there's Jews out there that they don't know what's flying. And 85% of Jews didn't even know it was Shabbos last week. 85%. We're all sitting at our Shabbos tables, you know. Shabbat, shalom, hey. Shabbat, shalom, hey. And, and meanwhile, there's Jews out there, they don't even know it's Shabbos. And they, they, they have no clue that we're supposed to actually like rejuvenate every week and like drop everything and just beat. Which, by the way, let me go back to God being jealous. So God spends all his time being jealous of you because you your mind's on everything but God. And this is why meditation is so important in Judaism. You have to meditate. Because if you don't get your mind focused, meditation just means to focus on one thing at a time until you become mentally disciplined if you don't meditate, if you don't discipline yourself mentally you're, 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 you're never going to really succeed at being God's beloved and he spends all his time jealous of your distracted monkey brain and when the Torah says when the Torah says when the Torah says that God is a jealous God you know Oprah Winfrey you know that she she publicly, on international television, publicly denounces her affiliation with Christianity, saying, when I saw the words that God is a jealous God, I said to myself, what kind of God is that? I'm out. Yeah, and she just gave up God all because of the jealous God. When the Torah says God is a jealous God, it's one of the most beautiful lines in the whole entire Torah. I mean, there's no more beautiful line What it's basically saying, I mean, have you ever been jealous of someone? If you're jealous of someone, it's because you love them so much that you can't stand sharing them. And the Torah says that God doesn't want to have to share us he doesn't like sharing neither our minds which we already spoke about nor our hearts in what we want cuz we're all like Spider-Man. So we're always shooting web everywhere, you know. I want that and I'll take one of those and I'll take one of those and one of those and and, and then we're on Amazon and we're just clicking away at what we want it from what we want Amazon to deliver. Amazon Prime's going to come by tomorrow, you know. And and we just got but after a while you're just caught in a giant web of, of desires. And God's out there in the cold, just going like you know, hi there, you know wheres uh, where's elma where's uh where's Wal? where's Waldo? you know we should start calling God Waldo, I think. maybe we should rename God Waldo, you know for where's Waldo? I meet a lot of people who are like they're not sure there's a God, you know like how do I know there's a god It's Waldo <laughs> Where's Waldo? Yeah, that, we're going to start saying, where's Waldo, instead of Shema Yisrael. Yeah. <laughs> imagine being in shul tonight. Oh you know? <laughs> hey, Vamo Yisrael. Where's Waldo? <laughs> anyway, but, but God is, is, the fact that God's a jealous God is, <coughs> is, is just an indication of how much he loves us. And by the way, why is God so serious about Shabbos? I mean, it's a little weird to have such serious penalties for breaking Shabbos. I understand, like, if you kill somebody, maybe that should be the death penalty. Or, or you know, kidnapping, maybe that should be the death penalty, death penalty. Rape, maybe that should be the death penalty. I mean, I can understand death penalties. You know, especially in Judaism, because in Judaism you never mete out the actual penalty. None of those penalties are, it's not even possible to even execute anybody. You know, they say if one court executed someone in 70 years, it was a that was called a bloody court, you know, for 70 years. I mean, if you look in our Torah, the death penalty is very liberal. You know, we're very liberal about the death penalty. And yet, and like, if you get into Jewish law, you realize you can't ever kill anybody. So what in the world do we have a death penalty for? And, and how can you get the death penalty for not singing Shabbat Shalom? You know, Shabbat Shalom, hey, Shabbat Shalom, hey. Where's my haze? Shabbat shalom, hey. Shabbat shalom. Hey. You know, can you imagine killing somebody for not singing that song? <laughs> Truly, I'll kill somebody if they do sing that song. So they. I think form's coming early. Yeah, it's it's definitely coming early. <laughs> so so, <laughs> how can you not? How can you kill someone for that? And so the point is, is obviously no one's ever getting killed for breaking Shabbos. But, but the, the point is, is that God's just telling you that you just spent the last week with your crackberry and your thumbs moving a thousand miles per hour on that thing. You're, you're trying to assert yourself on everything in the world like some dog walking by a lamppost marking off territory. You haven't thought about me and you haven't thought about me in like who knows when. So I'm just asking you to slide into home plate Friday afternoon, and stop pretending you actually did anything because you didn't, because it's all an illusion anyway. So this is all one giant Truman show. We're in the, we're in the Matrix here, you know, like as if you're making any choices. You think I'm teaching this class? God's teaching this class, okay? It's it is groundhog Day. Yeah. Anyway, God is teaching this class, and what is the calling what's <laughs> sorry <laughs> and so God asks us to keep Shabbos but he plays hardball he really wants it because he's not willing to have you ignore him for more than six days that's why it says in the Torah six days a week you shall ignore me and on Shabbos, you should rest from ignoring me. <laughs> now, um, here's the amazing thing about bad things happening to good people, is that is that the whole planet has you know over seven billion people, and all those seven billion people are going through something that they wish they're on the other side of, and all seven billion people are are right now in this like. What's he singing? Have, a- Have an Aguila? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you open the door so we can hear Havana Gila a little better here? Did it switch? Everybody! <laughs> Whoa, slow it down! You don't spend enough time in studio, I see. There's a metric. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> okay. Someone, like, turn off the main power of our building, please. Okay. Um, is it on me right now? Okay, so the... Uh... Havana aguila, my goodness. Can you imagine the guy who wrote that? He must have been on glue. Havana Gila. Havana <laughs> I think it was on weed, actually. It was originally, it, have a nargila. It was originally, have a nargila. Vin yeah. mecha, and we'll be happy. You know, have a nargila. Maybe it was a Mexican, and it was have a tequila. Okay, now... Yeah. This is why I make kiddish on tequilas. Because it says, tequila, let me create Kiddush. Now, um, now, listen up. Seriously. I I never thought why bad things happen to good people would be our funniest class of the the year here. But um, it just wasn't like the title that was supposed to be the funny class, you know. But I'm glad if I've lightened anyone's load who clicked on this particular uh, bait, you know. So I hope I lightened your day a little bit. Anyway, but you got seven plus billion people going through something. And... Here's the crazy thing. If you ask all 10 billion of them, did I just say 10 billion? If you ask all 7 billion of them 10 years later why they went through what they went through, I mean, based on IQ, obviously, but the majority of them would have a reason why. They'd explain it. And they wouldn't even give it up. They wouldn't give up what they went through if it would mean giving up who they became as a result of going through it. Now, I mean, atheism? Atheism? Like, that someone could actually think that th- there's no God in a world with 7 billion intelligent people all going through something, who 10 years later can explain why that happened? Why, they're how they are actually inside a giant personal transformation seminar called life and God's the, what do you call the leader of a seminar? God's the seminar leader. And I'll tell you, as someone who runs seminars, I got a Hebrew one starting tonight for men. As someone who leads seminars, you have to break people down a little bit. You got to break them down a bit to get them to start to listen, to start to become a little coachable. You got to break them down. I'm a seminar leader, and I break people, and I'm looking always for that one guy who's going to try to break me. I love that guy. <laughs> had one recently in Muncie. What a moment. What a moment we had with that guy. He was going for a break, break the rabbi. And you know what his trick was? Um, can you tell me when lunch break is? By the way, we're in there for 11 hours straight. Can you tell me when lunch break is? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you know, Rabbi, we've already been in here for quite some time. And, you know, there's there's someone coming to pick me up for lunch. So I'd like to be able to, like, let them know what time lunch is. And I'm like, I heard you the first time you asked. I'm not telling you when lunch starts. Because I don't even know when lunch starts so I guess it starts when I say it's lunchtime. and this guy's in his 70s <laughs> and he started the whole seminar when we all sat around the circle and we started the whole seminar when we started the whole seminar he said he said that his wife's gonna walk if he doesn't get a breakthrough. <laughs> Meaning there was a lot at stake here. And of course, the whole room, while well he's, he kept going, by the way, the whole room knows exactly why she's walking. Because he kept pressing me. He was not gonna let me be in control. But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If you really think about it, it's really our need to control, that has us so upset when we're going through God's seminar. When we're going through those tough times, the worst part about it is that stuff we're going through, we don't want, yet we can do nothing about it, really. We're just going to have to go through it. You see, the only way out in life in God's seminar is through. And all those people are always going out. They're running out. They're medicating with grass or their, or sports or or or. Facebook or or, uh, Instagram or some other news feed or whatever. Everyone who tries to go out never leaves. You see, the only way out is through. Everyone try that together. The only way out is through. One, two, three, everybody. The only way out is through. And you go in there with everything you got. You go in with your life. You go in. You don't resist. You don't run. Because if you run, it's going to stay there. And it's going to get worse. When you don't care for a cut, it gets infected and it can get worse and worse. God forbid. When our life's infected and we try to run from it, it just gets worse. We always wonder how people fall so far. And the reason people fall so far when things are rough on them is because they're running away instead of in towards. The only way out is through. Why do you think God made it so impossible to leave your spouse? Why did God make it so miserable? I get phone calls all day. Even when I was mountain biking, I was counseling somebody. He said, "You know, he's like I'm married to a vulture. You know, a vulture's better than my wife. At least a vulture waits till you're dead." and I've been getting the same phone call from this guy for 15 years because there's no way out the only way out is how? Through. through you gotta do your work he's gotta do his work and become a man she's gotta do her work and make him her man In conclusion of today's session, I'd like to give you the actual meter of how spiritual they are. You know, normally spirituality is not something you can measure, obviously. But there is one measure of spirituality. So I'd like you to listen carefully. Spirituality is the amount of time it takes you to go through something that you wish you weren't going through and realize that it was meant to be. The amount of time. Yes, for 7 billion people on the globe, it may take 10 years for us to get the whole globe agreeing that what they went through, and which, by the way, could only be with a God, an involved God, not the kind of God who, like, created the world like, like, like people believe he like, spun it like a top, but then he went parasailing in a lot. You know, like God took off and just left it. And people think that way? Do you realize if God took even the words, let vegetation be upon the earth that were set at Genesis and Bereshit, if God were to take those words out of creation for a second, there would not be a single strand of cotton in this room. Most of you would be naked right now. I'd be just wearing my vest, which would be pretty foxy. Because this, this is let there be animals, it's made of wool. And I'd still have my pants on, though I'd be without underwear. But as a surfer, I don't think I wore underwear for about 12 years. So I'd be cool. You'd be a little embarrassed. The world only exists because God's God's uttering those words, those 10 beams. Those not the word bereshit and the nine let there be's, let there be this, let there be that. That's how we're here right now. The meter of spirituality is how long does it take you to go through something and realize why? Does it take you a year? A more spiritual person, maybe a half a year? Like you realize why you broke your leg because you you had to marry the nurse or something? (laughs) Like half a year? Like how long does it take you to realize if it's a long time you're not that spiritual person? If it's a shorter time, you're more spiritual. Even shorter? Whoa! Hey! And I'll finish with a quick story, and that was that I was walking to a synagogue near my house, and this elderly lady in her 80s who walked fully bent over, like literally 90 degrees, which means she must have had amazing stomach muscles and back muscles. <laughs> I don't know how she did that, because she was kind of thick. And she she's, she walks like this, you know, 80 degrees in her 80s she's going to shul now the women's section had a thin wrought iron gate you know with a lip that hits the you know post and it's standing straight open because it's time for prayer and on the other side of her is the men's section and I'm walking this way and I, a friend of mine sees me and says hey um-tub. I said hey she thought I was saying hey to her so she looks up realizes it's me and I'm, I'm looking at someone else and she looks back and boom right on that lip with all her force. I mean, she weighs twice as much as me. Boom. Right on her forehead. And she makes this ghastly sound. Words. It wasn't so understandable, but it was definitely Hebrew. And we quickly, she's just like seeing stars and we grabbed her and we like held her and like brought her into the women's section and sat her down. She was like literally almost unconscious from hitting this thing. And we walked outside and I said to him, she said something when she hit the gate. And he says, yes, she did. You know what she said? Because he's Israeli, you understand it better. He's, she, he's, she said, Magi Ali. It was coming to me. Oh. She's in real time. Seven billion people, yeah, we see God's hand. If seven billion people 10 years later can say God was behind it all, well, they can at least say, I know why I grew, how I grew. Another person, maybe a few months. Maybe it takes another person a couple of days to get over something difficult, to realize why it's probably part of the not probably, but definitely part of the story. It's part of my Megillah. But this lady, she was in real time. Things are happening in real time in her life. You know, who knows what she just did? I mean, she probably like, she probably like thought of God in the bathroom or something. I mean, she's, she's like so holy like that. Like that was like her 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 big sin. You know. Magi Ali, Magi Ali, it was coming to me. How long does it take you to say that? How long does it take you to say that this is exactly what I need? I'm in God's s- seminar. I am, I'm in God's seminar. I, I'm going through stuff, not running away from stuff. I'm in. I'm in. And putting up that white flag, which is the key to all growth, the white flag of surrender. That I surrender to my circumstances right now. I'm going to try to do something to get out of it. But I, at least in this moment, surrender to what's going on. And I'm awake and I'm alive and I'm watching and I'm growing. And I'm moving accordingly as God presses my Play-Doh into shape. I'm Gumby and God is moving me exactly where I need to be so that I can become great. Thank you very much. Um, just want to mention to everybody. Want to mention to everybody uh, to join my club. Please join my club already. It's uh, it's uh, yomtoMediaClub.com. Yom Please join that. We're also we uh, thank God we uh, we raised money for the poor bride. We already got her uh, dress and a half. It's a thousand shekels for a, a dress for her for her marriage and stuff. Okay, shalom everybody.